city, oh city, beaten by storms. Is there no one to comfort you? The city, oh city, beaten by storms. Listen closely to your God. I will build your walls with the gates of sparkling jewels. Righteousness will be your strength. I will teach your sons the way. It's entitled, We Just Call Him Dad. He's a soldier on the front line, a prime target for the foe, a toiler at the coalface, a watchman on the wall. He is the provider for his family, the enforcer of its laws. He heals the heavy-hearted and mends their broken toys. He's a teller of great stories, an entertainer par excellence, a glorified taxi driver, a perennial revenue source. He's a teacher to the erring of wisdom and righteousness, an example fit to follow, a wellspring of good advice. He's an intercessor standing in the gap in his home, the true glory of God. He's a friend. He's a prophet. He's a priest. He's a king. He's all these things and so much more. But we just call him dad. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless me with a wonderful word this morning that I'd like to just share. And please, this message is for everyone, even though you aren't a biological father. It's about the fatherhood of God, the love of the Father. Let's just read two scriptures before we get going. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Do you hear that? One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. Amen. 
Let's just go to 1 John, that's what we call it, little John. Right, 1 John 4 verse 6. We are of God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. For everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He does not love, does not know God, for God is love. Right, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. All right, God is love. Now, what the Lord placed in my heart is, first of all, we need to understand how important this fatherhood business is. Amen. We've spoken about this quite often. And uh, remember, God is the great father of all, in us all. And you see, the one thing that human beings, every single human being on the face of this earth, must have to function properly, the one thing every single one of us must have is this quality called affirmation. Affirmation. And affirmation is really wrapped up in love. The two go hand in hand. But you know, if you and I do not have affirmation, and it's quite a hard concept to just suddenly explain, because there's so many things. The heart of it is, of course, acceptance. Knowing that we're accepted. But it has far greater repercussions than that. Far greater reaching repercussions than that. It's about having the right paradigm in which to operate. It's having the right understanding of who we are, where we are going, and our worth, and our value. And every single human being has got to be receiving this affirmation, just like a car needs petrol. If it runs out of petrol, that car will not function. And us human beings, when we do not receive affirmation, affirmation, we become dysfunctional. Even nature knows this. There's a well-known story of an elephant herd up in, I think it was Kruger, one of those parks there. They tried to introduce a new herd into an area. And the young bull elephants caused mayhem. They caused mayhem. They just became totally unruly and they destroyed so many things and the whole herd was totally unsettled. Then somebody had the idea, obviously wise, a council, experienced wardens, they brought in older bull elephants just to into the herd. They introduced older bull elephants into the herd. You know what? Everything settled down. Everything settled down. The young bull elephants knew where they stood. There was authority. Nature. Just because of that setup of nature, they in a sense received the affirmation, if you want to call it that. And we see it every single day in our lives. We see children at school. When you teach, you'll know that children who are unruly, 99.99% of the time is because at home they do not have affirmation, generally speaking and specifically from the father. We had it in our home. Timothy at one stage, it was the stage of his life, I think he was grade four, I don't know what age that is, but in that period of my life I had to go out and work in the evenings. What it meant is that Timothy did not have his father around as much as he was used to. He told me the other day, he said, I just became naughty. I just became naughty. He started to bully kids. Timothy, bullying somebody, can you believe it? Became unruly in class. Had problems with one teacher. Everything sort of went wrong with him. Why? Just his dad wasn't there. You understand? His dad wasn't there. They have learner council. You know, this whole business of prefixes. Very, very nerve-wracking time for teachers to elect student prefix, as it were. 
But we went and Timothy was selected amongst others. I noticed something. They had a little ceremony at the junior school there and they went through the process of putting the badge onto the kid and then the parent had to come and shake the children's hand. To a man, every single one of those kids that had been elected to learn a council, the parent gave them a hug. It wasn't part of the rules, you understand? It was just automatic. And I put two and two together. Can you see? At home they regularly got hugged. They had the affirmation and because of that they could rise up and become leadership. Can you see how important this affirmation is? We must have it. We must have it. You see, and in the moment we don't have affirmation from the right channel, all right, we start to look from it somewhere else because we must have it. That's what drives young teenagers into gangs. They will die for the gang. Why? So one place where they get affirmation. You see, we have to have it. And it's such an involved concept, but really it gives us purpose. It gives us boundaries. Discipline is part of affirmation because it establishes boundaries. When I look at my life, my life went off the rails completely as a young man because I was sent to boarding school. And the teachers, they did the best they could. But once again, I never received affirmation. I never had the correct paradigm in which to operate. We all need that. We have got to have that. You see? And God understands that. And God actually created on this earth the family setup to provide exactly that. That was his original plan from day one. You see, and please let me just explain something. This affirmation is, as I said, wrapped up in the Father's love. The Father's love. And as you and I know, in our society, what has happened, that by and large, thanks to the activity of the devil, families, and this is not only our age, but all ages, have broken down. Families are disintegrating. And what is the actual attitude behind it, the motivation behind it from the enemy's point of view is to cut off to cut off the correct channel for affirmation so that children will automatically become dysfunctional and dysfunctional children become dysfunctional adults. And dysfunctional adults cannot run families and so the whole process just snowballs. And that's what we have in our country, a massive problem. Not just with orphans, there's over a million, I don't know how many orphans we've got officially, but you see it's not just people without any parents, known parents. There's another group of kids that have got one parent or come from dysfunctional families, broken homes. You understand? It's a big problem. It's a major problem. One of the greatest curses in our country is this mentality where men impregnate women and leave them. Many young women, especially in the black culture, get married with one or two children already. It's a fact. What is that? Irresponsibility. There was a man, Ed Cole, he was a great minister to men, raised up to men. And he had a statement. He said, being male is a matter of birth. Being a man is a choice. Get the difference? Being a male is a matter of birth. Being a man is now a matter of choice. Being a male is a matter of birth. Being a man is a matter of choice. And in the same way you can say creating a child is a matter of nature. But being a father is a choice. Is a choice. And you see, God understood that the devil would break up families, etc. But he has a plan. He always has a plan. Amen. And it's not plan B either. Because plan B with God always becomes plan A. And God's plan was for the church. Did you know that the body of Christ to be that channel for affirmation to those who do not get it in the natural way? Amen? And you see, when God looks at the church, He looks at you and He looks at me. And 
We as the church, and this is what I'm trusting God to encourage us to do, all right? We need to grasp this with both hands. We need to, in a sense, man up and take this responsibility. We are the channel of God's affirmation in the earth. Amen? Primarily fatherhood, but you see, fatherhood also includes motherhood. Because in God there's father and mother. Did you know that? There's God, the father, but there's the mother, mother nature, the nurturing nature of God. And you see, God has such a love for the earth and for people. And you see, those people on the earth, you and I, we can only function when we are affirmed. And we have to get affirmation. Correct affirmation can only ultimately come from God. Did you know that? It cannot come from any other source. And you see, for God's affirmation to reach us, there are only certain channels that he can use. Did you know that? He can only use certain certified channels, as it were. And those channels have to be channels that operate because of covenant love. Covenant love. You see, a parent loves the child because it's their child. They should do, amen? But it's normally the case. You love your child because it's your child. And obviously in the families, that's when things go wrong. When the child has to feel they've got to perform to get the love of the father. That's when you have this dysfunctional behavior at rugby matches. Quite embarrassing, actually. You have a schoolboy match, and along the side of the field, there's this father shouting to his child, do this, do that, controlling him from the sidelines. To the embarrassment of the child, he can't really perform anymore. Why? That father's trying to achieve something through his child. You understand? You have to perform for me because obviously he failed himself. It's chronic in our society. We've got to have affirmation. And the only channel for affirmation can be people that are connected to us with covenant love. You see, because affirmation has got to be given, in a sense, for free. It cannot be conditional. Amen? It cannot be conditional. You see, that's why a parent loves his child unconditionally. You see, that's how the love should be. That's why I'm so glad when I came back from school with bad grades, second last in the class, once I was actually last in the class, my father said, okay, still accept you, you're doing well. Although I knew he wasn't happy. You understand? But he accepted he didn't say, well, look, you know, you don't do this, I'm not giving you pocket money, you cut off from this, blah, blah. He didn't bother to do that. Thank God, thank God. He accepted me, and that helped me a lot. But you see, conditional love is not able to provide affirmation. You can't do it. That's why when the young man says to the young girl, you know, you're looking so good, looking so beautiful. Well, some of them might actually mean it to affirm them. But very often, what's it about? It's conditional, isn't it? It's conditional. I flatter you, you see, because if there's no covenant love, when you and I try and give affirmation, we're actually flattering. And it's destructive. We're trying to impress somebody to get something for ourselves, you see. And covenant love does not do that. Does not do that. So you see, here we have a situation. Now please, as we read in that scripture, there's one father who's in all. Amen? He's in all of us. So because you may be a female or young, doesn't mean that the father love is not in us. Amen? And that father love is what God wants in the earth. That's the only answer to the earth's problems. And who's it going to come from? Us, the church, you understand? 
We've got to do it. I'm encouraging us to realize this. It means that when you're at school and you've got friends there and those friends are battling, you have responsibility to demonstrate to them covenant love. In a sense, fatherhood. Does that make sense? The father, the love of God. Often have it. I'm walking in the street, see somebody, and God fills me with his love for that person. I don't understand it at the time, but why should I love that person? It's not me. It's God loving people through us. You understand? God needs that. We are the only conduit that he can use in many cases for his love to reach people, for affirmation to reach people. Amen? For them to function properly. It's an awesome responsibility. And I think the church knows it. But why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? I need to address this issue. Well, let me tell you something now. It's an awesome responsibility. And it's not easy. Amen? It's not easy. It costs a lot. To be a parent, spiritually or any otherwise, costs a lot. And there's reasons for that. It costs a lot because it's very risky business. It's very risky business. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee on your investment. You understand? And it can be very painful. Very painful at times. At times. When you and I love people and expose ourselves, guess what? We're opening ourselves to being hurt. Being hurt badly. Parents will know their children have got an inroad into us which enables them, if they get stirred up in that way, to hurt terribly. And you see, because of these risks, because of the responsibility, because of the commitment demanded, many, many people, I'm talking about natural parents as well as spiritual parents, just say, oh, we'll leave it to somebody else. Just leave it to somebody else. Amen? Just leave it to somebody else, not me. And very often we feel inadequate as well. We feel we cannot do it. It's such a daunting task. Who am I to parent somebody else? Amen? You see, because of that, what is the natural tendency? To abdicate. To abdicate. That's why those people that father children, they don't want to take the responsibility, so what do they do? They take the easy way. They abdicate. You see? But we as a church cannot do it. We are not allowed to do it. We have to face up to this thing, and we have to take it with both hands. Amen? What this country does with the orphans, and I'm not just talking about the natural orphans, I'm talking about the broken family orphans and the spiritual orphans will determine the future of this nation. Did you know that? There are so many, so many young people, I've seen it in my life, young Christians, not even young Christians, old Christians, walking around totally unparented. That was my status when I started. That was my status. I'm very glad to the one or two men that took me, in a sense, and helped me a bit. I'm so grateful to them. But you know what? It was seriously inadequate, and I don't blame the other people. I blame myself as well, because I didn't realize how important it was. Do you know that? The great men of God, you ask any one of them, and they'll say to you, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six spiritual parents. And you think to yourself, they don't need spiritual parents. You understand? But you realize they are where they are because of what? Spiritual parents took them on and they received it. Are you hearing me? They received it. Now listen, why don't we want to take this on? Because it demands great responsibility. Amen? And you see, I don't want to sugarcoat this thing because it's not just a wishy-washy, fluffy feeling. 
True parenthood, as every parent will know, is blood and guts. Sheer blood and guts. It's not easy. It's not easy. And it's so easy just to say, oh, well, wash our hands. I've made a decision. I'm not going to wash my hands. I'll be available to anyone to be a parent spiritually. And at first I thought, you know what? Who am I? Who am I? Look at the mess I've made in so many areas. You know what God says? He says, I don't care less. All I'm looking for is what? Availability. Do you know what? When you and I put ourselves out on the spot for other people, God himself comes along and gives you what you need, what we need. Amen? Why? Because he has a vested interest in proper parenting. Amen? He has a vested interest. The future of his church depends on it. And the future of the nations of this high earth depends on the church. And he can't rely on a weak church. Amen? It's got to be a strong church. And a strong church is made up of strong people. And how are people made strong? By being properly parented. By being properly disciplined. I never had that. You know, I can just say this. I mean, I'm not trying to point fingers at any church or anything like that. But we sat in the church. We sat in the church. A very well-known church. Highly respected church. And we, in a sense, were leadership in that church. We did a lot for that church. Paid a price for that church. But at no stage, not one stage, did one of their ministers come and sit with me. Amen? And say, Graham, where are you going? What are you doing? How are you going about it? They did come and see us, but it was all about, you know, what can you do for us? You understand? Now why? Ignorance. Ignorance. You see, I realized it was ignorance. And we don't want to be ignorant. We've got to take this thing by both hands. But I'm just saying this, that it's not just candy-coated and very warm feeling that you have as a father. No, it's blood and guts. And you see, you can look in the Word of God how it works. Because you see, parenthood sticks it out. Amen? In spite of everything, it sticks it out. Alright? And very often, things don't look good. Amen? They don't look good. The best example I can think of is the prodigal son. The prodigal son. What a beautiful example of parenthood and the risks involved. Amen? The other father is, and the son comes as we know the story, I'm on my way, give me what's mine, I'm gone. The father knew exactly what was going to happen. Amen? He knew exactly. He saw the writing on the wall. And just picture this. As that son walks away into the distance, the father is watching him go. And with every step, his heart breaks a little bit more. Amen? With every step that son takes in the distance, his heart breaks a little bit more. And his son becomes a dot on the horizon. What does the father do? He runs up to the top of the house and keeps watching him. Amen? Keeps watching him. His heart broken. Because he knows exactly what his son is walking into. But now listen. Does he let him go for a few days, then pack his bags and go and look for him? No. That's the tough part of this parenting business. There comes a stage we have to trust God. We have to trust God. We do what we can. The Bible says, train a child up in the way he should go. 
and then trust that he will not depart from it. Amen? But there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. Why? Because the child has his own will. You see, you cannot interfere with a person's will. The moment you do, we demean a person as a human being. That's why God would rather see a person go to hell than to change his mind, to make him change his mind, make him a robot. Because that's even worse than going to hell in a sense, being a robot. You see? And if that father had run after the child and found him, maybe he'd found him in the distant land and said, come home with me. He said, great. Do you know what would have happened? He would have sabotaged the process. Amen? He would have broken up the process of God in that young man's life. What had to happen? He had to come to his senses. Amen? He had to come to his senses. But that doesn't mean that the father... When the child is out of sight, said, oh, well, that's his problem now. He does not wash his hands. Parenting never, never washes his hands. Amen. It keeps hoping, and it keeps praying, and it keeps watching. And how do we know that? Well, you see, the story goes on. The son comes to his senses, gets fed up with pig food, and he's on his way back. And the Bible's very clear. The father saw him a long way off. Why did he see him a long way off? Because every day he was on top of the house looking. Looking. You understand? His heart was there waiting. Waiting. That's the tough part of this parenting business. Tell me about it. Invest your life. Invest your life. And you see people walk off. Walk off. But you don't give up. Amen? We don't give up. You see, we can just, in a sense, substitute in that wonderful scripture on love. We can substitute fatherhood. I just want to read it quickly. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm just going to read verse 47. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13, 47. I'm going to, instead of love, I'm going to read fatherhood. Okay, and please, once again, remember the father who is in all of us. Amen? I could say parenthood. You understand? We're not just talking about fathers here, we're talking about every one of us and our responsibility to father people around us in the sense of being a channel for affirmation. Amen? You see there? It's 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to read from verse 4 to 7. But instead of reading love, I'm going to put fatherhood and read their parenthood, okay? Fatherhood suffers long and is still kind. Amen? Still kind. That father suffered for a long time, and yet when the son came back, he was kind to him. Fatherhood does not envy. Fatherhood does not parade itself, is not puffed up. True fatherhood doesn't go around boasting about what the child's done, although we're proud of them. Does not behave rudely, running up and down the trial line, making a fool of himself. Does not seek its own, doesn't try and live his life through the child. Right? Is not provoked. My goodness, children can try to provoke, can they not, without realizing it. Right? They don't think any evil. They always think the best 
Father who does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Father who rejoices in the good things. Listen to this. Father who bears all things. Amen. Bears all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Fatherhood never fails. Amen. Fatherhood never, never fails. True fatherhood, true parenthood never fails. Because ultimately, love wins the day. Amen. Love wins the day. I'm encouraging us here to realize something. You know, in Genesis there we have Adam and Eve, obviously, and Abel and Cain. There's this terrible situation. Cain gets grumpy about the fact that God won't accept his offering. And so he takes it out on his brother Abel and he slaughters him, comes up behind him in the head with a brick. Anyway, God comes along and now, you know, sometimes God asks you and I a question. You know very well that God knows the answer to the question. You understand. So this is a classic case. And he says to Cain, where's your brother? Where's your brother? What does Cain reply? How am I supposed to know? And then he says these famous words, Am I my brother's keeper? You get it? See the adage, Am I my brother's keeper? Well, you see, the answer from God is, Yes, you are. We are. See, the question is, Are we going to be responsible? Who's going to be responsible for these fatherless people. Who's going to be responsible? You see? And we can turn around and say, well, it's not my problem. I didn't do that. I didn't bring them into the world. What's the answer from God? You are. I'm making you. Do you understand? I'm making you. And we have a choice, you see. We can either abdicate and please, that doesn't mean you and I have got to follow every single Tom, Dick or Harry in the world. It's impossible. But there are people that come along our lives. Am I right? And we've just got to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. And God says to us, take care of that person. Become the channel for affirmation in their life. We have a choice. Am I my brother's keeper? It's not my problem. And what happens? You see, they lose out. But not only do they lose out, let me just say this, although it's painful, I mean, although it demands a lot, although it makes us become better people and, and push us through the mill, as it were, put us through the process, tear our heartstrings, yes, it's worth it. I mean, it's worth it. It's worth it. To see somebody come through. To live a great life. Just because perhaps you influenced them a bit. There's no reward like that. Not only on this earth, let me tell you. But also in heaven. Amen. So I'm encouraging us today. And to help us with this. I wrote another poem. This poem is about. Well it's called. Two fathers who have loved their daughters. But it could also apply to anybody who has a child. You understand? So it's of greater significance. 
To fathers who have loved their daughters, it's a trying game, this fatherhood. So demanding. Unappreciated, mostly. The tugging at the heartstrings, the give and take. Too much, too soon, too little, too late. Oh, so delicate a balancing act, the ebb and flow of life pulsating, ever changing, ever expanding, till of course they fly away. But does it ever end? The bittersweet of others now responsible, the brutal agony of those not so. Keep on giving, keep on believing, keep on trusting, keep on loving. To love a daughter as a father should is to die a thousand deaths every day. To have a daughter to love as a father should is to live a thousand lives every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just pray that in our midst you release the spirit, the spirit of fatherhood, parenthood as it were. Yes, we are our brothers and our sisters keepers. Those who you choose to bring along our paths, we have responsibility. May we be a people that take that responsibility, Lord. No matter what it costs. And we know that it's a costly business. But we think of you, Lord. On the cross. You despised its shame. You endured it. You endured it. For the hope set before you. The great high call of God. The glory that waited for you. And I pray that we look beyond the struggle and the strain, the pitfalls and the pain, O oh Lord, and see your finished objective, the wholeness of broken people, Lord, the fullness of shattered lives, the beauty of your creation, Lord, made well because of the Father's love. Thank you for the Father's love in each one of us. May we embrace your love and be channels for your love, Lord, to all those around us. The wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen.